JP Palu Fry here. Before we get started in today's episode, I wanted to make you aware of two resources that are available to you. Number one, are you curious about what your personality type is when you face last 8% situations? Because if you are and you're curious about this really valuable information, you can take our assessment. It's in the show notes, it's free but it'll give you real-time feedback on what is your personality type. Really powerful information. That's number one. Resource number two is, are you struggling with last 8% situations and at times feeling stuck in your career or in some relationships? And if that's the case, we are now accepting registrations for the last 8% Academy. This is our hybrid digital live course that we are so excited about. It is six weeks long and it's hybrid. So part of it is digital, right? There's app-based micro learning. You learn on your own in the course of the week in five to seven minute increments. And then you also are part of a cohort, a group that learns over the six weeks together You have one-hour live classes together. You have a peer coach. All of this is to help you build the accountability so you can step in and face your last 8% situations with more confidence, with more courage. So we would love for you to join us. Now, on to the episode. Welcome to the Last 8% Morning this is J.P. Palu Fry. It is so great to be with you today. In today's episode, what do you do when you're staring at a task that is important, but for whatever reason, you're putting it off, you're avoiding it. It brings up strong emotions in you as you think of doing the task. And it is part of what is keeping you stuck in your career or in your life. This is known as a last 8% task. And in today's episode, we explore why do we procrastinate when we face these tasks? Let's walk. out walking enjoying this gorgeous day moving as we are able it's so great to be with you today i love walking with you we start as you well know by arriving in this moment letting go of any ruminating thoughts or worries about the future and we just be in our body We feel our feet on the ground. We stand tall, look around, and feel grateful. And if our mind wanders, which it will, we just let whatever thought is taken away and come back to this moment. 
So feel your feet on the ground. What sensations are present? Feel your belly rise and fall. Feel your head and shoulders. Don't forget the neck. And just taking this time to be present. Again, whatever mood you are in, we're in, just bring some mindfulness to it. Just welcome it, right? That's what we're doing with mindfulness. Paying attention on purpose, non-judgmentally. Why not so that we're calm? That might be a takeaway, a, an outcome. No, the reason we practice is so that we can change our relationship to whatever is happening in the moment. So we can build skills of emotional regulation. So we can be more present for the important moments of our life. So just feel... Just feel our feet on the ground. Feel your elbows. And feel grateful to be alive. So let's move to our, our idea of the day. Do you work in sales? Maybe you do. Actually, aren't we all in some ways in sales, selling ideas, selling ourselves? But if you work in sales and you work hard and you want to do well, I know that there are days when you feel afraid of the phone. And for anyone who's not in sales, what that means is you just don't feel like picking up the phone, trying to call a client, maybe a cold call and having them reject you. But it's important in sales, obviously. Or maybe you work in management and you want to be a good manager, but on top of everything else you have to do on a regular basis, your boss gives you this request to organize an agenda for an upcoming meeting. You don't like organizing agendas, number one. Number two, it's a meeting about planning, and you despise planning. It's about like the last thing you want to do, but it's for your boss. So it's like, okay, you know, it's important but it does still feel like pulling teeth. So you procrastinate. You put it off. You hope it goes away, which of course it doesn't. What's at stake if we procrastinate? Well, we feel lazy because of this. We feel like we're not very good at managing our time. We get down on ourselves. We continue to avoid we feel not very productive. We lose confidence. We feel anxiety. can affect our health. There's a lot at stake. And we haven't talked as much about tasks, last 8% tasks in the podcast at this point. We've been focusing more on conversations and a little bit of decisions. But in our model, where last 8% started with conversations in our original research, we found it also had to do with decisions and tasks that we 
put off that tough decision or we procrastinate on that important task. So let's talk a little bit about procrastinating today. Why do we procrastinate? Because we are lazy? Nope, that's not it. It's not a question of being lazy. A lot of people believe that's the way it is, but it's not true. Is it time management? Not at all. Listen, sometimes we can be lazy. Sometimes we can be bad at time management. But the real driver is a desire to avoid negative emotions. In other words, it's an emotion regulation problem. If we feel negative emotions around a particular task, our brain will, if we don't have skills to manage our brain, it will do whatever it can to extinguish that emotion, even if it means not getting the task done. And the emotion can be driven by the task itself or deeper feeling about the task. So it could be something, you know, that's just unpleasant about the task, organizing the agenda, you know, for that boring planning meeting for your boss or getting rejected on sales calls. But it can also come from deeper feelings, such as an insecurity or a lack of confidence we feel when it comes to that particular task. We hear that voice in our head, that VOH telling us, you're not good enough. What will people think if you screw up? By the way, I know that feeling, especially around being handy or rather not being handy. What I mean by that is those odd jobs around the house. For some reason, I've had an insecurity about doing something wrong when it comes to these tasks around the house growing up when it came to this kind of work and getting in trouble that I'd screw up in some way. So much so I would avoid anything to do with handiwork and never grew any skills in this domain and then became more insecure about this work and avoided more and then became less confident and avoided more. And I think you can see the cycle. The irony of all of this is that we do everything we can to not feel the negative feelings, but end up feeling even worse. Procrastination is a good example of how one part of our brain, and this is an important part of today's podcast, one part of our brain, our amygdala, that emotional part of our brain that is attuned to threat, how our amygdala can jump into the driver's seat ahead of our prefrontal cortex so just put your hand together in a fist your thumb if it's inside your fingers that's kind of like your amygdala deep in the brain your fingers on the outside on top of your thumb in the fist is your prefrontal cortex that's our planning brain our long-term executive function and amygdala will jump in ahead of this prefrontal cortex and prioritize short-term needs ahead of long-term ones. And this is a problem, right? Because it affects our reputation, how people see us if we don't get things done. Henry Ford said, you can't build a reputation on what you're going to do. So what do we do? What are three things that we can do? Number one, and just before I tell you, stand tall, look around, feel grateful. We have this body that works, lungs that breathe. Number one, 
stop beating yourself up. Stop it. It does not work. We have this funny idea that if if we're hard on ourselves, somehow that will help us. It will help direct our behavior. It will help us next time when we are facing a similar situation. It, there's couldn't be something further from the truth. It actually has the opposite effect. So number one, instead of beating yourself up, have compassion for yourself. Have compassion. There's a whole tenderness practice in this podcast. Go and find that. It's part of the ETA tool. But if we have compassion for ourselves, we know the results, whether it's on a diet. When I say diet, I don't even like that word. But when we're trying to eat more healthy or trying to exercise more, when we're trying to prepare for an exam, uh, kind of a, rel in this area, a famous study of students who forgave themselves and had compassion for themselves for procrastinating on studying for an exam. For those who did have compassion, they procrastinated far less than the group who did the opposite and had little compassion for themselves and were self-critical in terms of how much they prepared for the next exam. So number one, stop beating yourself up. Really commit to this tenderness practice, this compassion practice. That's number one. Number two, we need to strengthen our prefrontal circuits. What does that mean? Well, think back to the amygdala, right? That emotional part of our brain. It's more interested in avoiding pain, seeking pleasure. And if it is able to jump into the driver's seat ahead of our prefrontal cortex, then we will continue to avoid unpleasant tasks. So we need to find ways to strengthen our prefrontal cortex, these circuits. Best way to do that? Well, if you're a long-time listener, you know mindfulness. We know that every time you practice, by the way, 10 minutes a day, we know from Sarah Lazar's work at Harvard, it strengthens these circuits in the prefrontal cortex to inhibit the amygdala. It literally tamps down the amygdala. So it's less in the driver's seat. And this is this idea of neuroarchitecting our brain that I've talked about a lot in the podcast. We strengthen these circuits over our amygdala. Andrew Whale, a medical doctor, said, among other things, neuroplasticity means that emotions such as happiness and compassion can be cultivated in much the same way that a person can learn through repetition to play golf or basketball or master a musical instrument, and that such practice changes the activity and physical aspects of the specific brain areas. He's absolutely correct. So number one, stop beating yourself up. Have compassion. Build it as a practice. Number two, strengthen these particular prefrontal circuits. And the way to do that, walk every day. Right? Build your mindfulness practice. And then finally, number three, find a better reward. What does that mean? Our brain is driven by rewards. We're not really aware of this, but it is. If we have a strong reward loop for procrastination, then we will continue to engage in that behavior. What does that mean? Well, if our reward for procrastination is temporary relief from stress, which it is, 
And especially if we follow her up by watching TV, going on social media instead of doing the task, that's actually a pretty substantial reward in terms of what our brain is sitting there going, hey, that's pretty good. If we can find a better reward for not procrastinating, then we will stop procrastinating. It's actually pretty simple. And so there's a number of ways we can do that, but of powerful ways to increase the relative rewards. And the way we do that, I'll give you one, is to use a friend or a peer coach. What do I mean by peer coach? Well, in our last 8% Academy, we, as part of that course, you get a peer coach and you work with them. They help coach you on your plan. You help coach them on their plan. And you build great coaching skills, which is amazing, but more so, They are there to support you because we know that when you share with a friend or a peer coach a small victory, such as, you know, you, you didn't procrastinate, you know, even for 10 minutes, like you literally, you know, dug into the task for a little while, even if you didn't finish it. But when you share a small victory like that, the sharing and hearing your coaches, your peer coaches reaction to the small victory is a really powerful effect on the brain because we are social animals. And it becomes a strong reward and a driving force in future non-avoidance behavior. It's really remarkable. And this doesn't happen, as you know, at once. It takes time. That's why we practice. That's why we walk every day. I hope you're walking every day. But we know the more we practice and build these skills... We neuroarchitect our brain. Our prefrontal cortex becomes stronger. The drivers, it, be, it gets in the driver's seat. And we know that great things can happen because it's really about momentum. Once we start doing one task, especially if it's a difficult task, but even a small task, it's not difficult. We start to build momentum. This is why we make our bed in the morning. If you ever wondered, if you haven't listened to the podcast on why we make our bed, this is essentially it. We do a small task, get a small victory, get a bit of momentum, and it starts to build our confidence. It really actually does, and our momentum for the day. So, really powerful way to do that. Stephen King, the writer, said, Amateurs sit and wait for inspiration. The rest of us just get up and go to work. So sometimes if we just engage and just do that first little step, it starts to build a momentum and then a whole bunch of good things can come out of that. And think about what we get when this is the case, when we overcome this procrastination. We don't avoid this last 8% task. We feel better about ourselves. We build confidence about what we can do. We take more risks in other parts of our life and take on more difficult tasks and we get more done. And others notice. It helps us grow our career and our impact. You can do this. You can do this. You really can. It doesn't matter what task you're looking at. But to the degree that you can do these three things, don't beat yourself up if you are procrastinating a little bit. Increase your prefrontal cortex strength by mindfulness. And then find that better reward. Work with a peer coach. This is the way that we start to 
craft our lives in a way that helps us have the impact we want to have, the relationships we want to have. So, so much there for us. So now we are finishing today. Let's go to our three by three. Let's take three mindful breaths down right into the toes, calming this body. Now moving to our gratitudes, three things that we can feel grateful for. What can you feel grateful for today? I'm grateful for my dog Pippa, who is with me today in our recording. Now three things you want to get done today. Three things you want to get done. What do you want to get done today? What are the big rocks you want to focus on? Fantastic. Let's use this as a small victory. The fact that you went walking today. Really reward yourself right now. This is, this is how we start to build momentum in our life. And of course, as always, if you're getting some value out of this podcast, please share it. Please leave a review that helps others discover us in these algorithms on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Our Last 8% Academy is coming very soon. More information, you'll hear about that. I'm excited to share that. And just as I finish, I want to finish with one of my... Um, well, to call it one of my favorite quotes is probably not fair, but it's a really solid quote. John Ruskin said, The highest reward for a person's toil is not what they get for it, but what they become by it. The highest reward for a person's toil is not what they get for it, but what they become by it. Have a wonderful day.